Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Hello and welcome back. Today is a special bonus episode where I featured the audio from a recent webinar I was featured on with Johns Hopkins University. During this webinar, I was interviewed by three students at Johns Hopkins University who started a student-led podcast called What in the Health? During the discussion, we talk about how I came to podcast, the things I've learned during podcasting, and insights to share with future podcasters. I appreciate the invite from Eric, Rena, Fatiha, and Jamie. And a special thank you to the Johns Hopkins Alumni Association and its affinity communities. Enjoy the listen. everyone. Happy Friday evening here in Baltimore, Maryland. So nice to see everyone this evening. We're so happy to have everyone here. Uh, my name is Jamie Seward. I am Associate Director of Alumni Relations with Lifelong Learning in the Office of Alumni Relations at Johns Hopkins University. Before we proceed, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsors, the Arts, Entertainment, Media, and Entrepreneurship Affinity. Now, before I turn the program over to our, our amazing speakers, I encourage you to ask questions in the Zoom Q&A located at the bottom of your screen. Now, I have the pleasure of turning our program over to our incredibly talented student moderators. Take it away, guys. Hello, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, before we even start, just wanna say thank you to Jamie, thank you to the Office of Alumni Relations, thanks to the sponsors. We're really happy to be here. I'm really happy to be joined by Bill. Um, and we'll jump right in uh, with some self-introductions. Um, we'll go around with our, with our moderators and then Bill, we'll have you introduce yourself too. Um, my name is Eric. I'm one of the co-founders of What in the Health podcast, um, a student-run podcast that we'll get into soon. Uh, I'm a senior here at Hopkins studying sociology and English, and I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, I'll pass it to Fatiha. Ah, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Fatiha Zana. I'm a junior studying public health and economics, and I'm from Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I'll hand it over to Rena. Hey, everyone. My name is Rena. I'm also a junior. I study molecular and cellular biology and bioethics, and I'm originally from Michigan. And Bill, we'd love to hear about you. Thank you, Rena, Fatiha, and Eric. And thank you, Jamie, always great to see you. Um, so for those that don't know me, my name is Bill Kirst. I'm a class of 2000 Arts and Sciences. Um, I'm currently living in Seattle, Washington, um, where I'm uh, joining you from today. 
Um, and I just took over a new position at Microsoft as a director of change for cross-industry solutions about three weeks ago. Um, prior to that, I was in consulting for about 20 years. And on the side, I run a podcast called Coffee and Change, which we're going to talk about today. So thank you to all three students and the alumni relations office for having me today. Yeah, of course. Before we get started uh, with the questions that we have about how you create your own podcast, we'd love to provide an overview of the podcast Eric, Rena, and I run. So our podcast is called What in the Health, and it's a student-founded and student-run podcast that aims to empower young adults to make informed decisions about their health. And after recognizing just how difficult it is to find reliable health information, we decided to create a podcast that leveraged the expertise of professors here at Johns Hopkins University to create podcast episodes about different health topics that we are curious about, whether it's environmental health, social media, or college and COVID. And our goal is to create these nuanced conversations without any jargon so that anybody who listens to our podcast will understand how these different health issues impact us, especially as college students. So with that being said, Bill, we'd love if you could share with the audience a little bit more about your podcast, Coffee and Change. Sure, Fatiha. And uh, just want to say thanks to the uh, over 20, I think 22 folks that are joining us uh, live. Really appreciate it. I know where many of you are. It's the evening. It's Friday. It's been a long week. So I appreciate you joining. And for those that are going to listen on demand, thanks for listening as well. But um, I love, Fatiha, you, how you described the importance of the podcast that you all have put together and the importance of real, real speak right? Less jargon, just connecting with people and talking in, in real terms, to help people understand uh, and, and navigate the healthcare system. Um, it's very, very interesting and very similar to why I started the podcast. I started um, quite a while ago, uh, 83 episodes ago, to be, to be exact. Um, and that was because I was in a position of leading people and teams and organizations through change. And it was very interesting because I found myself having conversations with people in large conferences or webinars or seminars. And inevitably there was always about one or two people that would hang back. So for those of you that, you know, attended conferences pre-COVID, you know what I'm talking about, where you sort of linger behind and ask the, the speaker a few questions. I always noticed there was about one or two people who uh, wanted to wait until everybody left to ask a question. And most of the time that question was revolved around hey, I'm really struggling with, with this change, whatever the change was. And um, I'm not sure I'm going to be okay in this change. So what I would do is I would say, hey, do you want to go take a walk? Uh, maybe grab a cup of coffee and we can talk about it. And that led to basically having an amazing conversation, a generative conversation in real talk with a, with a human being and just hearing their story. And most of the time when people just talked through their story and their hopes and their dreams and their fears, at the end of it, they felt better. They felt like they could go through that change. And I found myself in those situations saying, man, this is such a powerful conversation. I wish I could have recorded it and shared it with a few people. And so that's where the podcast was born out of. I thought if there's one person who's struggling with change or navigating change in a way, and then chances are somebody else's too. And so the podcast was born um, quite a while ago. And the, the whole purpose of it is to echo stories that need to be told. My hope is that those stories find their way to the hearts and ears of the people that 
desire to hear them in the time that they need to hear them um, and maybe share with, with others so that whoever the listener is, they feel a little less lonely in the world. Great, thank you so much. Um, now that we've had a chance to hear a bit about your podcast and we've got a chance to introduce everyone, um, we'll jump right into our questions for you. So I'll pass it off to Eric with our first question. Sure. Yeah, um, so before we dive into the real like uh, meat and potatoes of the conversation today, we kind of wanna, since this is hosted by the uh, Hopkins Alumni Office, of course, uh, we'd love to hear about your experience at Hopkins and your time at Hopkins. You know, could you tell us about uh, you know, what it did for you and what the Hopkins community has meant for you. Sure. Um, I can say honestly that one of my proudest accomplishments in life was getting to Johns Hopkins University. Um, and I will never forget that moment and where I was when I got the news. Um, Hopkins changed my life and it continues to do so. Um, I would say that my experience at Hopkins was uh, almost like two experiences. When I first got to Hopkins, it was a very tough adjustment for me. I actually had gone to high school overseas and had studied in the international baccalaureate system. So it was a little bit different uh, in terms of the, the learning and the knowledge. And then I got to Hopkins, I had a very hard adjustment when I started. So freshman year, I actually struggled quite a bit. Um, and then I got an amazing academic uh, advisor who said, hey, you know what, I think we should be taking courses that really align with your passions. And so before I knew it, I was taking courses that were actually graduate level courses as a second semester freshman, but they were aligned to my passions. And that's really when things started to blossom for me at Hopkins. Um, I ended up following my heart into something that I knew to be very true. I come from a very large family. I'm one of six kids. Um, so I'd always taken care of um, other people. And when I came to college, I struggled because you just, all of a sudden you just have to take care of me, myself and I, I did not do well with that. So my junior year, I became a residential advisor, and that really changed my perspective and my experience at Hopkins. And being an RA was one of the best experiences of my life. I'm still very proud of it. I think you all remember this too as students. You will never forget the name of your first RA. And I still connect with people who remember me as their RA and, and the events we had. And one of my most fond memories of that time was I took my uh, freshman dorm uh, to try out for a show called The Real World. Now, some people that listen are listening may not know what that show is. It was an MTV sort of documentary back in the day. And this was our first week um, when they were in the dorms. So it was during orientation week. And I packed uh, a bunch of us in two vans. We went down to downtown Baltimore. There was a restaurant called Planet Hollywood at the time. And we all tried out for the real world. And I actually got called back twice. So if you remember the season that was in Hawaii, uh, that would have been the season I could have been on, but I chose to stay at Hopkins instead. So I'd say that was one of my most fond memories. Well, thank you for sharing just your experiences at Hopkins with us. Um, I know Eric, Rina, and I always find it so fascinating when we ask alumni just what their fond memories were. I think now we can transition more into, like Eric said, the meat and potatoes of the conversation and talk about podcasting. So I know earlier you had mentioned a little bit about what inspired you to create Coffee and Change, um, but we'd love to know more specifically what made you get into podcasting in the first place, as opposed to other media outlets like creating videos or um, flyers or whatnot. Why podcasts? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I started listening to podcasts in 2005. So if folks study the history of podcasts, that's really when they started. There was uh, an MTV VJ, actually, 
who was one of the first people to get into the realm of, of podcasting in the early days of when Apple had iPods and they had just had sort of this iTunes uh, store. Uh, I stumbled upon the podcast in 2005 when I was actually at army training for about six months. And I found that it was so open and honest and welcoming and the analogy that I draw to podcasting, uh, I draw for podcasting today is they're the modern day Stoa. Um, and so those who have studied ancient Greece or philosophy probably know the Stoa was those, you know, long walkways, those porticos that had many columns, if you've seen, you know, in the images of the architecture of ancient Greece. And the reason I call it a modern day Stoa is because in ancient Greece, that's where a lot of philosophers would actually teach and stand and talk and share their wisdom. And if you think about the architecture of a stoa or a portico, as some might call it, uh, there are many ways in and many ways out. It is, a, it is a covered, a protected space, but it allows the energy and the voices and the wind to go through that portico pretty easily. And that is essentially the, the analogy of, of podcasting today. It is a place where you can go and you can share your wisdom and your knowledge freely. Anybody can come in, come out, I think the power of voice is also something that's really important to me. Um, I studied many languages growing up. I've learned seven along the way, and I was able to sort of mimic and hear accents and I have a musical ear. So the, the power of sound in my life has always been really important and it felt very intimate. So when you think about podcasts and you listen to them or you go for a walk with them, it's essentially someone is sort of coming into your mind and your heart through your ears. It's a sensory experience. And I think for me, I knew it could be more important. It could be more approachable to talk about stories, to talk about the human dynamic uh, through voice. And so that's why I decided to pursue it in audio um, as opposed to as opposed to doing video. Cool. And so when you first started, I'm sure it was very challenging to figure out all the logistics. Um, how to record, how to interview people, how to edit, all that stuff. I know we struggled with that in our first couple months. Um, so we're wondering, how were your first experiences like with podcasting? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question, Rena, because it's changed so much. I mean, you know this, right? In just the short period of time that, that I've been doing this, uh, you know, five plus years, it's changed a great deal. The technology I use today didn't exist five years ago. Um, my early days and my early experiences was a lot of learning. So this is the other thing I encourage people as you think about, do you want to start a podcast? Do you want to contribute to a podcast? Do you want to be a guest? It is a great opportunity to learn. My first podcast I recorded, um, I didn't know that much about sound in terms of the effect of sound in a room that has all glass. So, you know, for example, today I'm joining you from my apartment. I'm next to a window. There's a window behind me. It probably does a lot of reverb, but as a result, I've taken some measures to soften the sound um, with, you know, with some mechanisms around the microphone. I didn't know that in the early days, so I learned about sound. I had a colleague at the time who worked for a radio station. She was the first person to get me some sound effects to, to be in my opening theme music. Um, I then learned about uh, the opportunity to reach out to independent artists who would create your own composition for your podcast theme music. Uh, I want to give a plug to an incredible man named Jason Latham, who's in New Hampshire, who I connected with and has done my recent composition on the opening theme music of my podcast. 
I loved working with him because he taught me about the music. He taught me about the composition. He helped me understand what was going into it. And he listened to a lot of episodes of my work before he even put sort of pen to paper to compose. So to me, it's been a learning journey. The editing, the software you use to edit, uh, I use a, a, a mix of different software. I try and do that with, uh, with a lot of intent because I, I wanna learn about the different tools, softwares, uh, you know, ways in which to connect with people, remote, all of that. So to me, the best part about it is when I think back and I listen to my first episode, I cringe a little bit, right? I'm like, oh man, I, was, I sounded strange. The sound wasn't good. I used too many sound effects. And now I, I take the learnings that I have and I just, I follow my gut and I follow my heart. Wow, no, that's great. Um, that's a lot of good insight. Um, so now bring it to your podcast. Um, your podcast is titled Coffee and Change. And we're curious, you know, what does change mean to you? What, what is, why is that your title? What do you envision change that comes from your podcast as being? Yeah, change for me, it shows up in a couple different ways. Obviously, I'm a change management expert, so I've been doing that for two decades. So it shows up in my career, in my profession. I get the honor of leading, as I mentioned, people, teams, organizations through, through change, whatever that is. But at the heart of it, like change to me is, is growth. It's, it's how you know you're alive. Um, it's achievement. It's desire. It's dreams. Uh, all of those things to me are when you start talking about change and how it shows up in your life, it's, it's a reminder that we are always growing and we all have the right to grow. We all have the right to learn. We all have the right to heal. And so when I think about coffee and change and what it has become over the years, it has become this sort of stoa, this place where people come to listen, to grow, to heal, to wonder, to dream. And the, the best testimony for me is when I get uh, some feedback from people or a note from them saying, you know, I never would have taken this, this opportunity or this risk or this, this jump in my career had I not listened to this episode with a certain guest that you had on that talked about this and gave, gave me the, the courage to do this. So for me, that's, that's what keeps me going. And, and when I think about coffee and change, I think about the intimacy of sitting down with someone, having a really good cup of coffee or tea or a warm beverage, you know, sort of holding it right there with you and, and connecting with someone and hearing their story. And then um, when you leave that engagement or that interaction, you're a better person um, for the, the part that someone else shared. And my hope is that it, it just grows upon itself and that echo finds it where it needs to uh, in the world. Yeah, I think just having a lot of those meaningful and insightful conversations is such a joy just to hear whenever we can on our phones. And earlier you had mentioned that you have 83 episodes, which congratulations, that's a really big feat to have 83 stories and episodes published. This kind of leads into our next question of how do you determine what stories are worth sharing? There must be so many conversations that come into your mind about what you want to share on your podcast. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When I started the podcast uh, years ago, it was much more about trying to find what story was the right one to share. And they were probably anchored a little bit more closely to the work I was doing at the time. So if I was spending a lot of time with 
people that were in a certain industry and they were going through change and I was having conversations, I would get to a place where I was comfortable enough to say to them, hey, you know, I think your perspective is really valuable here. Would you be interested in coming on the podcast and sharing it and, and um, you know, providing some, some learnings for others? As I went along, I realized that my hands are not necessarily on this wheel. Like this is sort of a craft that is that is steering itself. And what I mean by that is a lot of times the stories worth sharing are the ones we don't necessarily know about, right? They are the stories that, that come to you or come into your, your, uh, your mind because you've, you've, take, you've taken the opportunity to learn, to, to be curious, to inquire, and frankly, talk to people that otherwise you never would talk to or you might not come across. So for me, a lot of times the stories that are quote unquote worth sharing find their way to me. Um, it's something compelling. I think I do have a couple soft spots in my heart, right? I have a soft spot for dreamers. I have a soft spot for writers. I have a soft spot for people who want to change the world. I'm so excited that the three of you are running a podcast because you're doing that. You're trying to help people navigate the world easier uh, by, as you said, real talk, simple speak, giving them options and, and um, informing them about healthcare. So for me, I find it that as long as I put that intention out there in the world and that intention is echo the stories that need to be told, I take my hands off the wheel and I kind of let them come to me. Now there's some discernment. Maybe I won't choose someone who um, wants to push a product or wants to push a book that they've written because it just doesn't align with my brand. Or maybe they've already got a huge marketing behind them. I don't think they need Bill Kerr's Coffee and Change podcast to take them to the next level on a bestseller list. But there are other people that I think um, their story would really help help others to be heard. So that's that's kind of how I do it. I, I think at this point, it's, it's a little more um, intuitive than it is selective. Now going off of that, um, when it comes to actually reaching out to different people, how do you find them? I know when uh, every time we come up with a new guest that we want, we just email them and, and cross our fingers that they <laughs> respond to our emails. Sure. Um, but how do you reach out to the people that you're interested in interviewing? You know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably not a surprise to people based on my career. Um, I think there's a lot of thought leaders, a lot of people out there that post things on LinkedIn, write stories on LinkedIn. Um, I, I intentionally look for people who are saying things a little bit differently. And what I mean by that is, I don't want someone who's sort of saying the same thing that maybe um, a guru is saying or, or, or sort of just kind of restating the same. I really am attracted to people who do their own level of um, analysis and really come up with their own point of view. And in that point of view, they might share their story or say, this is why I'm different or this is why what I'm stating is different. And if it's compelling, it calls me in. And if it calls me in, I spend time with it. And I've had a number of guests who have written things on LinkedIn that somehow showed up in my feed or in my inbox, and it really captured me. So the thing I do is I just sort of take an in-breath, take an out-breath, compose a message to them and say, hey, this really resonated, me, resonated with me for these reasons. I would love to, to learn more about why you shared this or why you wrote this. And, um, and most of the time, people are pretty surprised. Like, really? You think anybody else would want to hear this? Um, and then I say, well, let's see. And most of the time it's, it's, uh, it's very surprising in a good way to them. 
that not only people have read it, but then they hear sort of the story behind the story, right? What led to them writing an article? What read, led to them writing a book? What led to them completely changing their career? And that, um, as I mentioned before, that gives people the, the inspiration and the courage to make change in their own lives. Great. That gives, gives me some ideas about the way that we kind of plan out guests too. Sure. So these last two questions have kind of gone into your process a little bit, but um, on a more practical level, I guess, what, how do you plan out episodes? Kind of like what goes on before you kind of sit down with someone and record? What's that like? Yeah, um, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, I'm, a, I'm a researcher at heart. This will not surprise people. We're all Johns Hopkins grads here, uh, or soon to be grads for many of you. Um, we, we have a hunger for research and understanding. And a lot of times before I have a guest on, I will do, uh, I'll do a bit of research on them. I'll try and read some of their stuff. I'll try and understand kind of where they spend their time without being too intrusive. Really, I don't want this to be a lot of work for them. Uh, but there's ways in which you could sort of understand and, and read upon uh, who people are. And then the thing I do is I sort of step away and I, and I let, I let questions arise in me. Um, but I'm also very conscious not to be very rigid with the questions. So I might have two or three questions, but I like to keep it extremely conversational for those that have listened or, or, or for those of you that have listened uh, to episodes in the past, you, you probably noticed that, that I, I am as much a listener in this process of interviewing as I am an interviewer. Um, and I, I think it's important to distinguish that, that style. Um, for me, if I'm thinking about the next question, then I'm not really listening to what the, the guest is saying. And, and to me, the host is not the hero. The guest is the hero. So for me, it's very much about understanding who they are. And then the other piece I'd say, Eric, is... I actually make sure I meditate or I relax before an episode if I can. And the reason I say that is, as I mentioned, I have a full-time job. This podcast effort is, is completely a passion project. It's a side project. People joke and they say, how do you do this on nights and weekends? Uh, well, we find time for the things we love to do, right? But you can't just jump from maybe a corporate meeting straight into an interview podcast and be calm, cool, and collected because you might be frazzled. So one of the things I try and do is set up space and time to meditate, to not necessarily bring the sort of baggage of some other interaction into the discussion with the, with the guest, because that people will notice that the guests will notice that if you're stressed, if you're rushed, if you're distracted, they'll notice that. And, um, and then it sort of closes down their opportunity to be, to be vulnerable, to feel safe. And this is very much about creating safe space for people to tell their story. So those are a few things I do um, beforehand to get ready for what I hope is a very generous discussion and, and interchange. Yeah, I think those were really insightful comments, especially because you know we're still students and life can get really stressful in between classes, I'm sure. Those of you in the audience can relate to this, but now that we've kind of discussed what goes on before the interview, we want to touch on what happens after you finish recording. Um, what's your editing or production process like typically? Yeah, the editing and the production process um, is probably what takes the most amount of time. Um, for those of you that have dabbled in this, for those of you that have your own podcast, you know, and video editing is very similar. It takes a lot of time. So I tell people, that the process of editing and production really needs to be 
learned for you in the style that works for you. Um, I read a lot on different ways in which you can edit, you can do post-production. For me, one of the things I arrived at was I like to actually go back once the interview is completely over. I like to go back and listen to it three or four times. And the reason I say that is because I'm listening from a different place in a different, in a, in a, in a different way every time. The first time I'm listening to it all the way through, I'm listening for areas that I might need to make some technical edits. So for example, if somebody misspoke or said, I'd like to start that again, or paused, that's important that I share that with guests when I'm connected. And at this point, the audio dropped out. Gotta love Zoom. So we'll join it back in a minute. In the meantime, maybe you can talk a little bit about your podcast. <laughs> I know we do have a question. What is the ideal duration of a podcast? Maybe you can talk about that while we wait for Bill to reconnect. I'll strike a, my first uh, impression of the question. Um, this is something we talked about a lot when we were first starting. Um, how long should our podcast be? Um, and honestly, we settled on around 20 minutes. That was what we thought would be good because we wanted to give people like these bite-sized things they could just do while they're commuting, listen to while they're commuting and get this information. But then we recorded our first episode and cut it down and we were still at like 40 minutes. And we were like, this conversation is just so good. There's, not, there's nothing we feel like we can take out. And that's kind of what we ended up settling on. It's kind of more like a 40 minute benchmark. And we felt like, you know, maybe it's something you can kind of break up and watch in a few pieces instead of that one kind of bite-sized chunk. Um, so I think it's tough. The ideal, I think, depends on what you're talking about, what your content is, and, and kind of like we're saying, like, what's your target audience? Where are they going to be listening to it? Um, but I think most podcasts I see tend to be somewhere between like 20 and 40 minutes. But, Sorry, it looks like my Zoom dropped out there. Am I back with you all yeah. now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we were just taking a question. Um, no, it's perfectly all right. Hey, we're talking about editing and production, right? Here's a classic example. Sometimes you know, signals drop, so I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, feel free to you know answer the question or continue on to the next question. That was all I had. If you want to pick up where you were, if you feel like you said what you said. What, go sure. Ahead. I think we were talking about maybe editing and production. Is that right? Um, okay. Yeah. And and I essentially what I was, was trying to say, and I'm not sure where I dropped off, so I apologize if I restate here, but, um, but the piece I want to make sure that people hear is I want to make sure it's as easy for the guests as possible. So I don't want them thinking about the technology. I don't want them having to think about the editing and the production. So if they state something and they feel I didn't like that, I say to them, no problem, just restate it. Take a breath. Like, keep it very conversational um, because then I go back and I do all the editing afterwards. And I listen, as I said, four times first is for technical. So go through and listen and see where there are any drops, right? Case in point, we're doing this, my signal just dropped. We're going to have to redo it. So uh, that's the first thing I listen to. The second thing I, I listen for is uh, I go through and I listen to see if there's anything that um, really stands out that uh, that the, the the guest said because most of the time when I'm when I'm facilitating we should, we all know this yes you're active listening but not entirely because you're also holding this container of this podcast and you're I'm monitoring the technology and I'm monitoring the signal so part of you is distracted so the second time I listen through you know as as truly a listener the third time I listen through it's really about the whole flow of the story. And um, I oftentimes, the third time through, I find myself saying, wow, I don't even remember asking that question. Like, where did that come from? 
And I would say to those of you that are thinking about running a podcast or really enjoy the podcast that you listen to, those are the moments that are gems. When you say to yourself, where did that come from? I don't even remember thinking about that question. I didn't write that question down before. And that's how you know you're really in flow. And then the fourth time I listen, I put the, I go in and I basically put in the intro music and the outro music or the, the sort of on-ramp, off-ramp. And um, then I put, you know, put like basically render it one more time. Um, I set, always send a private link to the guest beforehand. This is just my post-production to say, hey, here's the, the full episode that you can listen to on your own. Give me a thumbs up or if there's any changes. Of one example, I had a guest on who I referred to him as doctor. Um, and he, uh, he went back and said, you know, I, I prefer I'd not be referred to as doctor, um, on that. And I said, okay, no problem. So I went back and was able to take out that piece and it was, it was not, um, it didn't disrupt it at all and re-rendered it and sent it off. So that's essentially my, my, my process. I do all the editing myself. I don't outsource it. There are lots of companies that will do that for you. I've been approached by those companies, but I have to, I have to listen with my heart. And my heart still really loves the editing process because in it, I learn and in it, I hear differently. And there are reminders of um, these questions that drop into my consciousness that I don't even know where they come from sometimes. Yeah, that's really fascinating because the editing process is so dependent on the style of your podcast, right? You said your podcast is conversational. Ours is more like interview style. We go back and we cut out our quotes from our interviewer that we think are the most insightful or important and then we record around those quotes so for any of you guys in the audience um, editing styles are very individual and unique and I really love the way that you presented how you edit um, so our next question is how did you determine your target audience um, and how do you try to reach those people I know for us every time we plan we say okay we want people young adults around our age to understand what we're talking about. Um, do you go through a similar process like that with your interviews? It's interesting. I started off in a very different place than I think I've arrived in. And like, that's the best kind of journey, right? You say to yourself, I'm going to start here and I'm going to end up there. And then along the way, life happens. So early on, I started off with the with the targeted audience based on industries. So I was interviewing a lot of people in tech. I was interviewing people in financial services industry. I was interviewing people in healthcare. And I wanted the episodes to be listened to by probably C-suite level people. So people who were at the, the, you know, the pinnacle of their career, because I felt very strongly that change and people's stories about change was not being uh, paid attention to enough in corporations. And I felt, well, if there's a C-suite officer or maybe a startup owner or a founder that listens to a story, it says, wow, I didn't realize that there was this much compelling change happening in my workplace. So that was my original intent was to share those stories. Um, as, it, as it evolved and grew, the target audience now is, it could be anyone from a freshman in college to someone that is retired and, and, and you know writing a new chapter in their life. It has found its way to people that I never could have planned. I, as I said, I've been reached out to by people in Indonesia, South Africa, Singapore, you know, Denmark, uh, Chile, like all of these people have reached out and said, I, I thought this episode was really interesting for this reason. And again, the credit goes to the guests. I, I just happened to ask a few questions, 
yes, I'm committed to the editing and the production and, and the gathering of these people, but it's the stories of the guests that really find their way to, to these audiences. So for me, one thing I, I haven't done, and some people might you know, disagree with this, I haven't done a lot of like target marketing or analysis. I believe very strongly in if you put it out there with the right intention and the right level of heart and consciousness, it'll find its way to who it needs to find its way to. Um, yes, there's stats and data that I could look at, but I don't spend a lot of time doing that. I spend my time uh, following the stories of people and being inspired by people and reaching out to those people and saying, hey, do you want to have a conversation and, and let's see if we can echo it out to the world. Um, and that's that's where I'm at today. So it's hard to say like who my target market is. I think if I had to, I would just say I'm keenly interested in people who want to want to learn about change and hear stories and maybe be inspired in their life to to make a courageous decision for themselves. Great. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Yeah. You say you, you haven't done any, you know, specific targeted marketing. And I think that's interesting, but um, right. You obviously have a listening base though too. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious a bit about, you know, how have you reached people? You know, how did you get your original audience? How did that audience grow and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm still sort of blown away by the fact that I think at la when I last checked, there was something like almost 25,000 listeners. Uh, so that's amazing. Right. I, I, I didn't set out for those numbers, but again, they're somewhere, they're continuing to listen. Um, I, I think what I try and do is, sure, I post I post on LinkedIn when an episode is out there. I did I did create a, a LinkedIn page for Coffee and Change. So I've got the Bill Kerr sort of LinkedIn, which anybody here, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you in the Hopkins community. But I've also got a Coffee and Change page. And the reason I have that is because sometimes people like to just you know, subscribe to that one, see the episode stuff, as opposed to maybe Bill has a lot going on and other things they're not interested in. So I, I did that separately. I do post on Facebook a little bit, but I'm not spending as much time on Facebook these days. I'm not entirely comfortable with some of the things that they're doing. So I might have to pull away from that. Um, I did start an Instagram account for Coffee and Change. I think that was mentioned in the, the upfront invite. Um, I post some stuff there. That's really it. I don't, I don't do much more than that. Um, I think friends and family and Hopkins folks. And, you know, I'll give, I'll give you an example that happened today. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who used to work for, for Hopkins. He saw this invite that went out on LinkedIn. He was in his office talking to another uh, colleague at Virginia Tech and said, hey, I saw this thing that Bill Kirst is going to do tonight. And there was somebody walking by his office. And they said, did you say Bill Kirst? And he said, yeah. And he said, the change management guy? Now, this person who said this is like a 20-something who's who's at Virginia Tech and to my knowledge doesn't know me. I don't know him. And so I immediately said to my friend, like, wait, how did how did can you go back and find out how that person found out about me and how they so apparently like it it's finding its way to those that are interested in this. Um, and that really warms my heart. Um, I like being delighted and surprised by people that reach out and say, this really moved me in this way. So I'm just kind of letting the universe do its thing, Eric, honestly. Yeah, I always find it fascinating how information trickles down. I mean, I think 
earlier when we first launched our podcast, we would have professors come up to us, be like, Hey, I liked your podcast episode. And I would be taken aback and like blink a couple of times and be like, you, you know, I have a podcast. Okay, cool. Um, So throughout this entire conversation, you've mentioned just little pockets of things you enjoy about creating a podcast. We'd love to know what your favorite part is about podcasting out of everything from start to end. You know, I think I really, really love the post-production and the editing, believe it or not, because there's, I don't know how how to describe it, except to say that it's a craft and it requires a lot of detail and it allows me to sort of be very meditative. So when I'm editing an episode, I've got to be very focused. I've got to listen and I can't be distracted. And we're in a world that's very noisy right now. And we're, there's a lot of stuff coming at us. And so when I go under the the bigger headphones and I, I really listen, it's, it's this meditative experience. It's very intimate to listen to the voice of another human tell you their story. And a lot of times, you know, topics of vulnerability come up and uh, to hear that very, very uh, intimately in your ears is, is a wonderfully nourishing experience. So I really love that part. And then I'd probably say the second part is when it's all done and out there, And, um, you get that first response back from the guests saying, I'm so happy with how this turned out. Like I never thought that when they're surprised, they sounded as as happy or as good as, as, as they wanted to, that's like, that's pure joy for me. So those two would probably be my, my favorite parts of podcasting. Related to that, do you happen to have a least favorite part or something that's extremely tedious for you? When the technology fails me, just like what happened today. <laughs> um, look, packets drop, you know, signals drop. Um, it, it's going to happen. Um, I use a software called Squadcast.fm, which is a remote uh, podcasting software. The great thing about that podcast software is it's set up for lossless audio. So what that means is unlike a Zoom, right? In a Zoom, we're recording in a certain way, but in something like Squadcast or other vendors have it have it out there as well, each person talking has their own track that is lossless. So for example, if I drop out, it doesn't impact theirs and vice versa. So you can take those native files afterwards and actually do some really good post-production. Um, but yes, when the technology fails, which it does and it will, because Murphy's Law, um, that's probably the, the part that frustrates me the most. And occasionally I'll have to actually reschedule with guests because it's just not working out. Um, and the other thing I would say is, which is kind of an interesting takeaway. It's not something I dislike. I just find it interesting when I'm in deep conversation with a guest and they go to a place of deep vulnerability. And what I mean by that is some of them talk about things they've never talked about before to anyone the technology starts to act very strange. Like it almost cannot keep up with the frequency, the energy, the momentum of the person talking and signals drop and connections drop. And that has happened in a pattern that I've seen, which is fascinating to me. Um, And it reminds me that we as human beings are essentially energy, right? constantly. And sometimes technologies uh, gets overridden and can't keep up with us. So it's a reminder that um, we are powerful beings. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So we're 
getting to the last round of questions here. So we just have a couple more um, and then we'll see if there's any Q&A. If you guys have any questions in the audience, feel free to drop them and we'll try and get to them over the next few minutes. Um, but um, I'll go ahead with my question. Um, so whether it's specific to podcasting or more generally about life, what are some kind of lessons you've learned in your time with this passion project? Um, yeah, some lessons I've learned since starting this passion project. Um, the biggest one I think I've learned is that like anything you do with passion and fervor and you want to make an impact, there's going to be people who at some point along the way are going to tell you, you should do this. You could do that. I'd recommend this. I'd recommend that. And that's wonderful. That's all wonderful advice and gifts from people. The biggest thing I've taken away is listen to your gut. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out and I love it. There've been people who are advisors and coaches and people who really are passionate in this space. And many times I, I sit with that advice and I say, is this right for me? Is this right for me right now? Is this right for my guests? And so far, every time, Eric, I've arrived at, no, it's not right for me right now. And it's not right for my guests. And it's not right for what I'm trying to create. I've had a few people reach out and say, the stuff you're creating is, is, is gold as far as content. You should turn it into a course. You should turn it into a book, right? There's all of that. And again, I, I'm, I'm honored by that. And I'm, it's, a, it's a huge compliment. But one of the things I said to myself was, if there is a sense of that resistance that's coming up in you or like, ah, I just, it's not going to be authentic or genuine to what I want this to be, then resist the urge to, to do that and stay true to what you want. Again, as we talked about before, when podcasts first started, there was no textbook. There, there's still no textbook in some ways. The best way to do it is what's right for you. So for me, that's one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away is in, in five plus years, it's reminded me the importance and the power of listening to your gut and listening to your heart and leading with your heart. Um, and that, that was a risky thing to do, but it's right for me. Yeah. I think trusting your gut is just one of those pieces of life advice that I think come time and time again with every season of life, no matter where you are. So it's always reassuring to hear it. Um, again, I think, you know, we've spent a lot of this conversation talking about your podcast and learning a little bit more. We'd love to know if there are any people or podcasts that inspire you that you listen to often. Absolutely. If you know any podcaster that's doing this work, chances are they've got, they've got at least three or four people that they love to go to and listen to, to essentially replenish our tanks because this is hard work. Um, a couple that I absolutely love. So Krista Tippett um, runs a podcast called On Being, um, and it's a weekly podcast. It started off as a public, uh, public radio show back in the day, and it moved to a podcast format. And that one for me is just like having conversations with the soul. It's just a really good uh, opportunity for me to like pause and listen the way she interviews, the way she has guests, um, the the inquiry, the generosity, the space that that she has in that platform is um, it's it's a staple for me to listen to it. Another one I've mentioned before in other uh, discussions with guests is Finding Mastery 
uh, with Michael Gervais. So Michael Gervais is uh, a sports psychologist who works with a lot of Olympians, um, athletes, um, and he talks very much about kind of the human psyche and neuroscience and health. And he's a, he is a master at being able to have a conversation with people who are growing in a way and trying to find out what their own sense of mastery is in this world. Uh, so I really, really like his as well. So that would probably be, you know, two that I listen to regularly. And then most recently, I'm a big fan, and I think you will probably, uh, you know, second me on this, the Dropout podcast, uh, the Elizabeth Holmes trial. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm not necessarily one of those people that follows all the crime, you know, crim- criminal sort of whodunit type podcasts. There's a lot out there. But the Elizabeth Holmes one, man, that was like, that whole story still, I wait every week for that Tuesday episode to come out uh, for the next, you know, what's happening in the, in the, um, the court proceeding. So uh, that's sort of a, a, a third one I'd say that I'm really listening to right now. Great. And our very last question for you is how do you envision coffee and change in the future? How do you see it changing for, you know, across social or political changes? Where do you see it? maybe five, 10 years down the line, if you think it'll go that far? I love this question. I never thought I would be five years into it. And here we are. I never thought I would, you know, get as far as I am. So um, how do I envision it? I actually envision it being the next generation of people hosting this podcast. Um, I think about the young people. I think about the people that have reached out. I think about the people at universities and colleges, people that are starting their careers and every single one of them uh, have an interest in change. I think there's more of an appetite in your generation for changing and growing and iterating. And the vision I have for this is maybe, maybe yeah, who knows? Maybe someday it does turn into course material, right? Maybe it does turn into something that is uh, a book eventually. I don't know. But I would love to actually hear it grow in a way where there are new voices that have the comfort and the interest and the desire to, to be deep listeners and to ask open-ended, compelling questions that are that remind us of the days of ancient Greece, right? The Stoa, the philosopher, the philosopher asking the question in a very open way where anybody can sort of hear it and think about it and ponder on it. I mean, the, this whole ecosystem for me is, is the openness of, of this is why I love it. It's the the cost of entry, the barrier of entry is very low. And I'm a believer that everybody has a story to tell. So if this podcast continues to be a platform upon which we can echo those stories that need to be told, I would love for it to be new voices that are the hosts. I would love for it to be, uh, you know, eventually something that maybe students or those that are learning incorporate into their life because yes, there's textbooks and yes, there's lectures. But at the heart of it, there are stories, and it's in stories that we remember, and stories that we relate. Stories help us grow culture, and I think that's how we change the world. Awesome. Um, so those are all the questions we have. Jamie, I'm not sure if um, there's anything going on in the Q&A. Um, there the- is. It's a we very a busy going on the Q&A. And, and I'll, ju- I'll just add that the Elizabeth, I'm obsessed with the Elizabeth Holmes. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. Um, 
And apparently one of the jurors was just kicked out because they were playing Sudoku. Sudoku. Yeah, yeah, really obsessed. <laughs> um, sorry, sidebar. Um, so I, we do have a bunch of questions. Hopefully sure. we'll get we'll get through them. So um, what is your podcast interview style? And I guess if, if you've listened to it, you, you'd know, but. Yeah, it's very conversational. Sure yeah, the style, as we talked about, it's, it's a little less... Um, interview-esque and it's a little more conversation. So my my hope and my desire is that essentially there's somebody on the other end of a screen or sometimes it's in person, right? I'd love to do it in person if I can, but we are in a pandemic and I'm conscious of that. Um, I really like where basically people completely forget that we're on a podcast, right? They just say, oh, this was like having a great cup of coffee with Bill or like, oh, I, I looked down and an hour passed and wow, this was great. So to me, my style is very conversational. It should be very much about the guest. And I should just be there to ask questions and allow them to learn more about themselves. That's it. That's my style. It's a great style. I think it works really well. And I also want to add, um, as yesterday was Veterans Day, I want to thank Bill, who is a veteran. Thank you for your service, Bill. He's thank a man you, of many talents. Um, so next question. So, and this is a this is a good one. What is the significant change that has occurred in your life since you began Coffee and Change? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. Um, so I would say uh, that probably this change I just made, um, I mentioned to you that three weeks ago, a little more than that, I joined Microsoft uh, in a new role. I would say that it's a significant change in my life because I'm writing a whole new chapter. And after being in consulting for 20 years, I took a leap and I said, I want to grow more. I want to learn more. I want to have a bigger impact. And Microsoft is a place whose mission is literally to empower every person and organization on the planet to, to do better. Um, and I thought, well, this is an opportunity for me to, to jump and take that Take that take that next step and write that next chapter. So, I think we're in it, and um, to be determined. I've only got one episode in on the podcast. This most recent one, which was episode eighty three, where I actually had a former guest on who reached out to me and say and said, "Hey, I'd like to interview you, Bill, because you're going through one of the most significant changes of your life right now, and I'd love to capture that moment." So we just wrapped that last week. I think I posted it this week, and um, my hope is that. In the future, I go back and listen to that episode because it is, it's a slice in time of a brand new change to hopefully bring more goodness to the world. Well, congratulations on the new role. They're Thank very you. lucky to have you. And it sounds like the perfect fit for you. Thank you. Um, did you uh, go somewhere to learn all of the technology and logistics or are you self-taught? You know, I'm a huge fan of self-taught. We are Hopkins after all. So um as I mentioned, there was not a lot out there, but I can tell you that things on YouTube helped me out a great deal. Um, I listened to a lot of other podcasters and specifically I went to listen to what their podcasts were like in the beginning of their podcast series. So again, as I mentioned before, if you go back and listen to another favorite podcast, for example, that just came to mind, The History of Rome. Um, it is a long series podcast, but if you go back and you listen to Mike Duncan, who was the host, early days, it's, you can tell he was learning, right? 
And the reason it was important for me to go back and listen to the early days of these podcasts is because I needed the grace and the space for myself to realize they didn't have it perfect. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay to stumble through it. I've had an arc of progress, just like he's had an arc of progress. Now, his went on to become one of the most popular podcasts ever. He wrote a book out of it. He's moved on to several podcasts since then. I love his voice. I love the way he does it because you can tell he's passionate about it. Um, but if you go back and listen, early days, you had to learn. You had to learn about sound. You had to learn about Microsoft or excuse me, microphone placement. Uh, you had to learn about editing software. So for me, YouTube was a big resource. Um, there are a series of websites out there that have, you know, if you're if if you want to connect with different people, Squadcast, which is the software I use, they have a blog which does a lot of really valuable insights and, and learning. Um, there's communities on Slack that you can go on. There's stuff on Facebook. So I would say pick and choose which the right community to learn and ask questions. Always ask questions. Again, there's no perfect textbook on this. So always ask questions and hopefully you'll get somebody who will be willing to help you out. Great advice. So another good question, uh, and I'm trying to get through as many of these as possible. Uh, how are you able to measure the impact of your episodes? It's a great question. Again, there's a lot of software out there that will do that for you. Um, I've been pretty bare bones about this, right? Again, I'm not necessarily in it for the um, in it for sort of that the 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 data, the metrics, and the in the insights. But I do have some of that. For me, the impact is far more important. If somebody just reaches out and says, "This affected me in this way," thank you. I never would have thought about this, or I I sent it on to my my mom or dad. I send it on to my sister. Like when people send it on to someone for a reason and it helps them, that's that's all I need. Now, again, there's data out there that you can look at. I do find it fascinating sometimes to, to see where people are listening from. And you can sort of see the countries and the cities that they listen from. And it's fascinating because you're like, I had no idea that somebody in, you know, Texas has has listened to 60 episodes consistently. So I think some of that data and that insight is informative, but it to me, it's not the be-all end-all. The be-all end-all is when somebody says, it helped me in this way. That's wonderful. I, I, I know similarly, I really enjoy getting feedback and I hope that the audience members will share their feedback with me so I can make my programs better here at Johns Hopkins. I love feedback and that's that's really good that you do too. So how long does it take you to do all of this? <laughs> and I guess that varies, but, you know, marketing, scheduling, planning, recording, mm -hmm. post-production, like I'm sure you dive deep and you have a lot going on in your life. So yeah. like, I don't know, let's say start to finish idea to finish podcast. What are we talking yeah, about? I would probably say each episode. And I think there's a question there about how long is each episode as well. Each episode usually runs somewhere between, I'd say, 35 minutes to sometimes over an hour. Again, I'm a fan of long-form podcasts, so I like listening to deep conversations. So I might tend to go a little bit longer than some people like, but that's okay. They don't have to listen. Others, I've broken up into two parts if they go over, um, because some stories are just really incredible. You don't want to cut them off. But for me, on average, I would say every episode, idea, interview, editing, post-production, is anywhere between five and six hours. So that to me is a lot of time to put into also having a full-time job, but it restores my energy. 
I get so much joy when I get to send it out into the world that for me, it's not time wasted. It's time and flow. That's awesome. I mean, when you find your why, you find your way and you really yeah. have found your why. And that's awesome. Yeah. What is your favorite change that keeps you motivated? Oh, very good question. I would say the thing that keeps me motivated um, is how much technology is changing, frankly. And I'm not just saying that because I work at Microsoft. Like I've always been this person who's about two years ahead of the curve because, because I'm a Hopkins mind, right? Because I'm constantly seeking and growing. So for me, the amount that technology is changing is really what keeps me motivated. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a hungry learner. I always want to know enough to be impactful. That's what keeps me going. And who is your dream interviewee? Oh my God, this is such a tough question. Such um, a tough question. And it might be more than one person. Yeah, it's always this question of like, you know, past, present, living, not living. Um, you know, I would have to say, uh, like right now, I, I, I'd probably say that if I could interview Krista Tippett, who I mentioned leads the On Being podcast, she would be a dream interviewee. And the reason I say that is because her style, her grace, her compassion, her craft has so influenced me and given me the courage to do this that um, I would love the opportunity to have a conversation with her. Yeah. Have you reached out to her and asked? I have not. I will tell you this though. Uh, when I was in Minneapolis, I went to the On Being Studios in hopes of, you know, I'm kind of a fan. So I figured I'd show up and um, introduce myself. But the thing I learned was they were not open on the weekends. So instead I stood outside their office. I took a picture. I had other people take pictures of me and I sent them a note and said, Hey, I was really sort of eager, a little bit like a, you know, a, a kid, a fan showed up at your office, was hoping to thank you all for the work you do. And they were closed, but they did send me a nice note back. And, um, I know I've reached out and connected with people, uh, in that space via, via Instagram and other things. So who knows, you never know. And, if you put the intention out in the universe, you just might have it happen. Who's next? Like who's next on your list to interview? Oh, so in 2022, I've actually got um, quite a lineup of people that have that have reached out. Um, I honestly would love to talk to people that are doing some incredible stuff in healthcare. So there's the, there's the importance around mental health in psychiatry, psychology. I'm reaching out to a lot of veterans. Um, there's a lot of uh, news these days around the importance of healing for veterans who are suffering PTS. Um, I've had a couple of guests on that have talked about the research and the um, changes that are coming with psychedelic medicine. So all of the stuff that's happening in the changing world of healthcare um, and mental health and mental well-being, I would love to have anyone on that's in that space that uh, is interested in that space and sort of the overlapping because there's so much to learn there. And I think there's a lot that we have to unlearn before we can learn. And truly for me, it's about healing and everyone deserves, deserves to heal and, and, and live their whole life. And, and so that's a space that I'd love to hear more stories on in 2022. You're an amazing person. And we're so honored to have had you here. And we're very lucky to have these amazing students. Like I love yeah. what you're doing. You're the future of podcasting also. So uh, we're out of time, but it's been wonderful spending Friday evening with you all. Um, I wish all of you health and wellness and 
piece, just as Bill probably does also, a follow-up email is going to be sent to you with a recording of this program, along with our event schedule. Hopefully you'll join us for another program. This has been wonderful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your talent. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening in. And thank you to you students. Got a lot, a lot of hope for you. Appreciate what you do. Take care.